And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. It's hard to imagine the Kansas City Chiefs just playing a football game at noon. Maybe against, uh, oh, an Andy Reid disciple coaching another team. But, I mean, it's Jacksonville. It's at Arrowhead. There's no way this is going to be a weird game, right? Oh, hold on. Sorry. I'm getting word right now that the Jaguars play in the Looks- AFC South. Oh, uh, God. Uh, oh, no. Not again. We just did this. Welcome uh, into Time Czars. We're going to prepare you for what will surely be a weird game, even though we have the mercy of having it kick off at noon. Not the case next week. Uh, Chiefs Chargers, that's in prime time now. So get your sleep this weekend while you can. Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser, friends. Nate, you sound like you're going to say something. You start first. I didn't mean to say friends as in only talking to one person and then you separately. That makes it sound like I'm saying Seth, my friend, and also Nate. And that is a misrepresentation of how I feel about both of you. Oh, <laughs> no My needs. beloved friend, Nate. No, oh, I admire so. and respect and love. How are no. you feeling about the Jags? <laughs> <laughs> no, no need, sir. Um, I am lovely on a day where the weather got gloomier and gloomier. Um, oh, this was the one, everybody. It is over. I just want to do a little bit of foreshadowing through a statistic. So, yes, the Jacksonville Jaguars play football in the same division as the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Did you know, fellas, that the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars are allowing the same amount of points per game this season? (sighs) I sure didn't. Uh, The Jags are surrendering 19.8 points per game. The Titans surrender the same amount. Guys, how many points did the Chiefs score last week? Not enough. <laughs> it was it was a it was a big twenty burger, if I recall. Yeah, it was Real a little round, little, nice little, tight little round pump, number. Little little point two bump. Uh, so, of course, it's going to be weird. I also need to remind fans of this too, um, guys. It took us week ten, I believe. Is is that where we are in this? We are at week ten. Yes, beloved schedule. It took us week 10. There has never been a Chiefs season in the modern era, which I always say starts with Joe Montana's arrival in 1993. So since then, there's really been no season like this. It took week 10 to have a home noon kickoff. Unbelievable. So yeah. Arrowhead parking lot's been so lonely. It's, it's... It's going to be a bit unusual. This is also based on calendar. The first, like, you know, elements game, you know, uh, 
probably gonna need to have a jacket and a hat and maybe some gloves. Get you know that first one you got to get used to it, and then we all just sort of ease into the conditions uh, that football is played. But we are we are going um, from a calendar standpoint to the actual like attrition part of the year when the season gets to double digit weeks. I'm gonna just be honest, y'all. I walked into the locker room today. Dudes is going through it. Like, they've already had the bye week. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster today said that he had to have two massages uh, in preparation for Sunday's game. Um, A lot of guys are trying their best to squeeze a little time here and there to get their bodies adjusted to, like, yeah, from 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 this day forth, it's gonna be every week as you try to make a you know a real run to the one seed and obviously the Super Bowl. Um, but it's it's accumulating and we have now reached the season where it's like, hey, that was fun. Thanks, you know, Thanksgiving's not here yet, which is when I always say real football has arrived, when like real stakes are are in front of you. But we've also passed Halloween, which is like God, this season's a grind. And I feel like (laughs) the entire team this week, through my observation, kind of is at that point of, dog, this this, this is a grind. And we got Jacksonville at home at noon for the first time all season. So their turnaround's a little bit unusual. Um, And, yeah, I just want to remind people that the Jacksonville Jaguars don't give up 20 points per game. Well, Seth, at least they're going to be able to run the ball on him, right? <laughs> um, the the good news uh, is that while they are very similar in points per game allowed, they are pretty far apart in football outsiders DVOA. This is true. And so it the hope is that maybe – and plus they're, they're just schematically different. And Mike Vrabel, um, I, I read a piece, I think it might have been on The Ringer, where someone, the, the way it was phrased was, you know, Vrabel had his defense so dialed in, it would not have surprised me if he'd hacked the Chiefs' headsets. Because <laughs> That's a very belichick thing, yeah. They did a great job taking away some of the the things that the Chiefs do well that that mix things up. You know, the jet sweep stuff. The screens; those are the two. Those are two of the huge things the Chiefs do to slow down opposing pass rushes: jet sweeps and screens. Like that's why people are like, "Why well, don't they, they do them more?" Well, because if, if teams are anticipating them, those those things don't work super well, right? They rely on on surprise and design, and because the Chiefs mix those in like five or six times a game, that really affects opposing pass rushes. Like you saw what it did to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. The Titans were very ready for that. They did a great job with those without necessarily sacrificing their ability to, to try to get after Mahomes. I, I still haven't done the Mahomes film review yet. I think they covered pretty well on the back end. And I think low key. They played I, so much man coverage so well. Mm-hmm. It was reminiscent of them early 2000 Patriots teams, which is they can't call holding on every snap, dog. And no, they, they, they were. They were playing aggressive man coverage. We'll call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the games where, you know, Juju started to do some stuff. But that's going to be really his time to shine. 
Ideally, Sky Moore, if that ever happens, we'll see. Um, and then maybe Kadarius Tony. in terms of, you know, that that you can't really leave one dude on this guy. Because, like, the, the physical man coverage stuff, that's where Juju Smith-Schuster can live, right? Where it's, oh, you're going you're gonna to get grabby with me at the top of this route. I'm bigger than you. It's kind of <laughs> like what Travis Kelsey does to guys. And so we'll we'll see. But I also, it, there were a couple snaps where it looked to me like Mahomes might have missed someone. But some of that, I think, when, when teams are playing really aggressive man coverage, there are certain receivers Mahomes doesn't look at as much. And so the times they do come open, he might not see them. Because, and I'm not trying to pick on just one guy, but I guess I'm gonna. Like, Mahomes has a lot of years of experience to say, well, McCole Hardman doesn't really beat man coverage. And then on the snap that he does, he might be like, "Nah," you know, and he just hadn't looked. And then there's the running game, which I I want to see what it looks like against the Jags, because we've had weeks where the run game looks awesome. We've had weeks where the run game looks very poor. Yeah, like this last week. And honestly, to me, it rises and falls because they're doing a lot of gap stuff. A lot of the stuff we've been calling for, right? Oh, they're pulling the guard around. They're 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 using a tight end as an insert to follow through. Like they're doing this gap stuff that they should, in theory, be really good at. And when it works, they are rolling teams. When it doesn't, consistently, and against the Titans, I'm curious to see how Trey Smith plays. Because he go, go ahead, go ahead and say it, Seth. Just yeah, go he, ahead. He, Sounds like it, it, say something, so, Seth. So I went through and I went through you Chief of the North newsletter. Please subscribe. And then chasefan.substack.com for all that. Theathletic.com for everything that we're gonna talk about that Nate's written. Yep. And I, so I looked at every single run play by the Chiefs, broke down each one, what went wrong. Because it was basically what went wrong on all of them. Except one play, a great, a nice 12-yard gain to open the game where it was blocked up beautifully. And it was like, oh, they're going to run on them all day. And Trey Smith got an illegal hands-to-face call against Simmons. That was a legit call. Kind of a soft one. But a legit call. And he didn't need to do it. Like, but anyway, Trey Smith lost as the polling guard from right to left. On, on different concepts that they love to use, where the idea is, okay, we leave the defensive end on block, but Noah Gray's coming around to just wall him off for a second, right? It's all you need. Just get in the way. And Trey Smith's going to come through and plow over a linebacker, seal him off completely, and you are going to have five free yards. And they've done it very successfully the last couple of years, and that's why the Chiefs have led the league in yards before contact. And against the Titans, Smith on his own, was responsible for five failed rushing plays where he just got blew up in the gap or he didn't hold the block. And that's a big deal because they count on him to be that guy on those plays. One of their favorite concepts they love to run is Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney. They seal off the defensive tackle. Brown helps with the double team, then climbs to the next level and just does mean things to a linebacker while Trey Smith comes through and Noah Gray Walls off the defensive end. They love that concept, and the Titans killed it. Just destroyed it. So, Nate, what's what's next then? Because that may and, and Seth, I want to get your take on this also. If the, what what you would do with all the information that you have dissected already, yep. but like it, it's obviously been a topic of conversation in the pressers. 
Um, Eric Bieniemy was asked about it at least a couple times today. He's really he's fully like figure out his playbook for never answering any questions though. Um, so today today I felt like he was really putting on a clinic of uh, prepare your starters to be starters, prepare your backups to be starters, prepare your starter jacket to be a starter, <laughs> etc. Uh, but but what what are you what have we heard from from the uh, the coaches and everything? And then also like what have you heard? about what the issues are and, and what they could do to try to make this running game, not just better because you guys have already pointed out, but more consistently good. Well, Eric, the enemy is going to do uh, what some have said Andy Reid chooses not to do, which is we need to run the ball more. That was his overwhelming answer today was, Hey, if we want to get the running game going, we got to do it. Um, and so it is that old adage of like, Wearing down the defense and being consistent and, you know, moving forward and, and pushing the defense um, in an uncomfortable manner. Um, as I said in Monday's recap, the running back they trust the most right now is Jared McKinnon. Yep. But he's also not their starting running back. So they have some personnel issues. Um you know, Sunday's game was the most exaggerated of just we abandoning it and ain't working. Yeah. As Seth, as Seth alluded to it, we tried some of our best stuff. Why, why, why want to try to B stuff if the A stuff ain't working? Um, you know, this is just the. It's unfortunate for a number of reasons. Clyde should be your featured back. He's been in the system going on three years now. But their most talented guy, maybe, is a seventh-round draft pick rookie who is having a season kind of like a seventh-round draft pick rookie, which is some weeks is good, some weeks it's bad. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs were hoping that he would create a little bit more yards after contact against Tennessee. That did not, you know, hold um, to their thought process because it was clear that, like, hey, with that stout defensive line, maybe, you know, and I guess they, they assumed, hey, our best option of at least moving the pile, at least getting some yards up to contact would be Pacheco. And Isaiah Pacheco has done that from a statistical advanced metric better than Clyde this season. Um, it just didn't happen. But, you know, I think for this team, you have, I mean... I think they ran one jet sweep and to Seth's point, they really did, you know, be assignment sound on it. Um, but I got to think that like, now that here I come with old school Nate. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to get in that I formation. Tell them you're coming and come with it. Okay. Like, I know the formations. I know the splits. It's been well thought out that like the 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 the, the 15-play script does two things. A, we think these plays will work. And B, it'll give us even more information as to how to attack you as the game progresses. But sometimes in like the early second quarter, I just think if we were in the 1980s, it's two tight ends, two backs. You know it. We know it. Hell, we coming through the B. So they here's don't, my... They don't really do that. Right. Well, so They don't I, do that on the goal line. They don't do that in short yardage. No. I, 
I understand you want to spread people out. I understand that motion is an incredible tool to use. But there is something about huddle, line up, move forward. What do you think about Seth? I've got I've got a couple big picture questions I want to get you guys your, your thoughts on. What do you what do you make of a little heavy personnel? Here we come to be got Mike Burton's leading and we got uh, Isaiah Pacheco running thunder behind him. I think it would be worth a shot to try it. That feels um, reasonable to me. Yeah, when, when <laughs> other stuff when other stuff isn't working, it's just it's just tough um when you have things go wrong that that aren't supposed to go wrong, like Trey Smith struggling. Mm-hmm. Then the things that might go wrong at times, because they had a few times where they had it blocked up well. They had one, I mean, uh, there there were three different plays, one from each running back, ironically enough. Like, you can't even make this up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, which running back stinks? And it's like, well, well none, of them, eh. none of them really stunk against the, the Titans, but each of them had a play where they left meat on the bone and a significant amount. Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco had one where if he just waits a split second before bouncing outside, the Red Sea was about to part. Trey Smith didn't even have anyone to block as he was moving forward because Humphrey's guy had moved into a, the, the, the wrong gap. The, the Titans, were they were shifting at the snap quite a bit, or right before the snap, to get into different gaps to anticipate where the runs were heading. And this time, they'd shifted into the wrong gap. And so Creed had his guy walled off. And rather than executing, you know, a normal combo block where you start with a double team, then move to the second level, Trey was just like moving to the second level. Like, I don't have anyone to block. Like, and then the linebacker was chasing Noah Gray on a, on a sweep, not a sweep, but on a pulling action from left to right. And so the Red Sea was parting. This was like a 15-yard run at minimum. And that's if he doesn't make a move on someone. And he just didn't see it. And that's where you run into those problems where, you know what, you might as well try some other things, but it's frustrating that every one of these plays, you are a gnat's hiccup away from from it happening and one thing goes wrong. And that's the problem with the run game, right? You need everything to go correctly and it's really hard to, to adjust when it doesn't. It's not like the pass game where, okay, the run, the, the blocking was poor by the left tackle, but because everyone else crushed it, the quarterback has a place to escape to because there's more room, right? Because you're moving forward as a runner and you can't like, you know, throw the ball away from you. So everything has to go correctly. And even one thing going wrong can blow up the play. It's why running the ball is hard. So especially, especially when you don't have a elite, elite player at the running back position and they don't right. have that. You know, right. And that that matters so much in terms of making sure because it's so hard to run the ball effectively, you got to make sure that when those blocks are hit, your running back always gets it. And that's why. So let's say let's say we take those three plays. Right. And imagine if on three of the plays where the Chiefs, you know, got stuffed at the line of scrimmage or didn't pick up a lot of yards. Let's say they picked up instead 35 yards on those three plays. How different does that make things look statistically? And how different does that make those drives look? And that's the problem with running back. You you have to do the job every time or because so many things go wrong with the run game already or the run game really slows down. Now, I want to be clear here. A lot of people, you know, when they replied, it's so funny because people have their 
preconceived notions on stuff. And so I posted a video clip on, on, on Twitter and multiple people were like, oh, look at Clyde here. I was like, that was not Clyde's fault. That was Trey Smith. He missed his, or he didn't miss his block. He just lost. And what do you want him to do? You know, there's a guy in the other gap. He can't cut back. But so, so, so make no mistake. I'm not saying that it was mostly on the running backs. It wasn't. Honestly, Trey Smith was the primary culprit in this game. But it doesn't help when your running backs occasionally leave meat on the bone. And so it becomes this sum of the parts here. And some of it, by the way, a couple of the plays were just, hey, Jeffrey Simmons is awesome at football. Like, what, what can you do? It all kind of came together at once. And so that's why I'm, I'm like, okay, let's see what it looks like against the Jags. Here's my, like, big philosophical question that is a legit question because talking about the running game and I'm going to ask for some sort of aggregate stats. I feel like it's going to show my hand. I legitimately do not know the answer to this one. Okay. And I'm hoping to try to come up with some answers to it over the next maybe couple of weeks even. To, to be enemies' comments today, is there evidence that running the ball more often leads to more success running the football? And maybe more importantly, or at least more relevant for the Chiefs, is there evidence that running the ball poorly, but more often leads to success later? Because I, again, I don't know the answer to that, but my hunch is that it's not worth losing drives to do that, right? Like if the, if you were going to say, hey, why don't we just run the ball more often early downs? Well, now if it's second and nine and there's an incompletion, all of a sudden now you, you're, you're mm-hmm. playing third and long. I... I don't think the Chiefs mismanaged their their play calling <laughs> against the Titans. I, I think the running game was horribly ineffective for what you guys just laid out. And the Chiefs went, okay, well, let's do the thing that we have at least more success with right now. And then Mahomes, you know, did Mahomes things. But yes, I don't know. Right. Do you guys have any, I don't know if you have any info on that or any anecdotal stuff on that. But I, I just, I thought that when, when BNME said it today, and it's something I've heard before, and I know the idea of, you know, wearing down the defense over the game and all of that. And I, I buy that at least anecdotally. But if you're not running the ball, if you're running the ball horrendously, having more of that doesn't feel like a good thing to me, but I'm, I'm willing to take more info on it. I think it would be a lot easier for them to stay determined and consistent with the running game if they had more success in short yardage situations. Yeah. And because they are so creatively ahead of most teams, how often are you prioritizing it? Right. How often are you using it at all? To that point, on on third and one, if if you guys to do a, a a live bet, you it would it would be uh, I would, I would favored cons- to throw the ball. Yes, it, I would. I would put I'd put the money line on passing. Um, right, and like, and if you can't, if you're not interested in running the ball there, like, don't please don't run it on first and ten either. I don't. And it, and, uh, and look, this is this is something where Tennessee again doesn't make mistakes, has capable players, you know, and so wretched players are intelligent. They study the film. They have a very good coach. What is their tendency through seven games? They would like to pass the ball, or at least do something creative on third and short, fourth and ones. They are not a team that hands the ball off and asks the running back to jump over the pile. You have not seen that play this season by the Chiefs because they have not ran it. Um, so I think as you get further into the season and as the tendencies become more um, true representative of the offense that the other team is running, um, then, yeah, it gets a little harder to, as, as Seth is trying to say, you know, 
you're maximizing the opportunities, right? And so I, I love your question, Josh, because it's right. And this offense, when the season began and throughout training camp, was we got to be balanced. We got to be kind of a chameleon where we can do a lot of different things. We don't have to drop back, you know, 70 times mm-hmm. in order to win a game. And so they got away from their own sort of philosophical uh, principles in this one, you know, moment in the middle of the season against a quality opponent. Uh, that's why Seth is right in saying that, like, we are trying to get everybody to understand how the Chiefs run the ball against Jacksonville um, is pretty important to the larger context of how the season's going to play out moving forward. And to you, Josh, I just get the sense that if you can't get a yard in a traditional manner, and if the best short yardage play that I can remember this team running was against the 49ers when they were down 10-0, and it's just a quick out to Travis Kelsey, gotta say, those plays are tantalating. Because if you run the ball, (laughs) that's like a three to four yard game. But hey, it keeps the chains moving. When they did it, if the defense sold out on the run, Travis Gus, I think, got 20-something yards on it, and you were already in, like, red zone territory. So, this is where people are asking, what is Eric Bietamy doing? Eric Bietamy is trying to tell you, through us, media reporters, we need to run the ball more. We need to stick with it more. If you don't think he's told that to Andy Reid, you are foolish. Mm -hmm. But who has 51% of play calling decisions? And honestly, it ain't 51%. Yeah, people actually don't realize this, but Andy Reid only has 50%. The mustache gets its own percentage. Mm. And and that's how he actually gets the the advantage. Yeah, 51% is very generous. Like 49%. It's 51% in an electoral state sort of way. You get the majority. Those points are all yours. Had a, had a gerrymandering in week 10 this week. Had a gerrymandering, dog. How we go draw it up? gerrymandered Eric the enemy out of play calling. Look, man, if you ain't. Look, if you ain't. If you ain't. You know, you ain't trying. I ain't going to say it. Yeah. I mean, but hey, you know. So what you're telling me is. What you're telling me is. My constituents are on this side of the line. So we need to get to that side of the line. Okay. Okay. And um, how can we do that quietly? What you're telling me is that I think we created these phrases a long time ago, but now we know that Andy Reid is a Democrat and uh, Eric Bieniemy is a Republican. Uh, where, 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 where is Eric Bieniemy based out of? What, what was his? What you know? Where, what is his core philosophy? Based on, you know, previous experience. I think his shoulder pads were bigger than he was. That's my answer. Oh. He probably he probably had one of those neck rolls. Oh, I gotta I'm gonna go try to find some Eric Bienemy game uh, game photos here. Um I there was a time where Eric Bienemy played for the Bengals. Y'all should y'all should y'all should just uh look it up. Oh, the, it really, I mean, it is, it is perfect. I, I'm trying to figure out what exactly what year this would be, but this era of football, it, he looks, 
he looks exactly like it. It is it is two wraps of tape on every single finger. Yeah, a couple of sweatbands, the the nose strip. I mean, Eric Bieniemy is football as hell right here, and I I, I do love it. I would, <laughs> you know, anec- anecdotally and, and team situation wise is obviously different from in the aggregate. I will say based on what I've researched in terms of analytics, and I'm not an analytics guy in terms of I just don't understand as much as I should, but I I have read interesting work that generally demonstrates that in the aggregate, you know, when you take into account, you know, every team over the last 20 years and all that fun stuff, um, running the ball more doesn't necessarily lead to more success. However, you know, every team is going to have some different situational stuff. And that's where I'm really curious what they decide to do moving forward. Because, you know, when they went out and got someone at the trade deadline, they didn't trade for Kareem Hunt, which was never going to happen. But it's it's a demonstrative thing. They didn't trade for James Robinson either. They didn't trade for James Robinson, who is who is a markedly better runner than anyone they have. Free Ronald Jones. They, 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 well, and and to be fair, I I would just say that outside of maybe those three runs, Ronald Jones wouldn't have made a difference. No, I also outside of outside of those. I want to be labeled. I was about to backtrack until before you even got to that. I was like, I don't want to be labeled the Ronald Jones guy. I kind of like. I liked Ronald Jones. Like the signing. I don't know. No, I, I definitely like it as well. And I, I think it would be nice to see him get a shot, but I get, I don't know. Again, I don't know what he would have done differently on all, but a few of those carries. Yeah. Um, that's just, yeah. that's just how it, is, it goes and where they're at right now. Um, Free Nick Allegretti. Difference? <laughs> but they didn't trade for help in the run game. They traded for Kadarius Tony because Andy Reed is, was, and always will be <laughs> the engine that runs that offense. That will always be his baby. And he will change some things. They're running a lot more gap. Good for them. Running a lot more power-based stuff. And some people aren't recognizing because they're, they're doing a lot of stuff with, you know, pulling guards and that kind of stuff. Right. People don't realize that's power. That is power. You you have a lot of guys pulling um, as opposed to some of the reach blocks that you see associated with, with uh, inside and outside zone, right? And... But they're running more power stuff. Good on you. That's some change. But Andy Reid's a dude. He'll change, but he's not going to like, you know, a change. fundamental. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to change in the same way when I tell my wife, I will change things that bother her. I will change a lot. I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. <laughs> but I won't do that. And that really, that, you know what that, that is for Andy Reid? It's run the ball that much more. He might do it a little bit differently situationally. He might do it a little bit different schematically or a lot different schematically. Way more gap stuff this year. Good for them. That's what fits the line. They're not asking, you know, they're not asking Orlando Brown to execute reach blocks anymore. That's good. Because he can't do it. Um, I am in a wormhole yes. or rabbit hole of just <laughs> tops Eric Bietamy player cards. I oh, found geez. one also. And oh. I legit was about to open the eBay listing, and I was like, I'll get distracted. <laughs> I'll never the get back in that. The love ya blues of the San Diego Chargers, where he was averaging check notes 3.6 yards a touch. Give that man three carries, you're moving the chains. 
Yep, and that's where I think, you know, I'm guessing there's probably going to end up being some fundamental differences in how the game itself should be approached. And I'm sure that at times it's probably frustrated for frustrating for Bienemy and Reed to 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 adapt to those. Um, so I mean, should they run the ball a little more? Maybe would it have helped against the Titans? Because mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 only way that you could say it would help would be if you assume Trey Smith starts playing better, because then yes, the looks were there schematically. The looks were there. And so that's why, like, people are talking about Reed and, and Biennemi. I don't have a problem with the game they called for the most part because the looks were there. And that's why, because the looks were there and they just weren't getting executed, I am very convinced that that's why, because I, I wrote them all down as I went. I seriously charted every stamp. Please read it, people. Anyway, it took forever, and it was horrifying because it was such bad hey, execution what, what, at times. What were the San Diego so, Chargers doing in 1992? <laughs> he, was averaging eight, he was averaging 9.8 yards of reception. They only gave him five. Res- what? Seth, oh, this is on. how you make me and Nate feel whenever we talk, and then we can hear you charting some snaps in the background. You know, like you just that can tell. Is, that is, I look. If this just means that the runway is cleared and I get to talk more, yeah. I, Bobby Ross, what we do? Don't threaten me with a good time, Josh. <laughs> I, <laughs> but no, this is just. I thought you guys would find this funny. John Fox was on that. On the was ninth, on that staff. Jesus, he's old. <laughs> You, you, I think that you probably everyone else heard that, but my Zoom cut out. Who else was on the staff? John Fox. Oh, really? No way. Yes, defensive Man. backs coach John Fox. Man, Pro Football Reference is a library that I always want a library card to. Pro Football Reference rules. It's incredible. That, that's just a free plug for them. The Chiefs ran the ball for the tenth time in the game. Oh, no. With eight minutes and 19 seconds in the third quarter, they did not Never run the again. ball again until there was four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Never again. <laughs> they just, you can see it. And the last, it's so funny because the eight, nine, ten uh, plays, you can see them where it just, just didn't work. It just, there was one more loss by Smith or two more losses in a row and you can just see it Reed was like nope we're done we're done here we've we've tried this because it wasn't just he didn't just lose on a pull he I mean this was a, a Jet McKinnon run where Smith was out in space if he hits this block McKinnon's able to cut back it's probably a five to ten yard gain at least and they had multiple ones like that and you can just see Reed right at that point in the third quarter said nope we're done here pack it in we will run one or they ran, I think, four more times, give or take, in the game. And that was only like a couple of them were because the only reason I forgot about this. One of the only reasons for their final five runs, one was because it was third and one and fourth and one. It was yeah. Burton slams into the line. And Clyde motions from the slot to the fullback <laughs> position. Oh. Yep. That was that was like a we don't know if we can gain this, so we're gonna do something goofy, and they did. But they they really the designs were there, and the execution by and large sort of stunk. Josh, can I tell it, you? Can, oh, go ahead. No, no, that was it. I, I we've talked long enough about the run game. I feel bad. We've kind of we've kind of uh, filibustered with the run game today. Mm, Josh, it's just I, I, I do think it's legit interesting. Hit me, Nate. Can I give you the 1992 San Diego Chargers postseason run? 
I don't oh. nothing more at all. <laughs> so look, with Bobby Ross and Stan Humphrey, I mean, that's the equivalent now of like Kirk Cousins. Okay, so look, fine team. Uh, they did win the AFC West, which tells you. Mm. Um, <laughs> they hosted the Kansas City Chiefs on Wild Card Saturday. Um, the Chargers beat the Chiefs, and I remember this game because I was a young child. Seventeen nothing, absolute spanking, ran all over them. Uh. Josh, do you wonder who they play in the divisional round the next week? I have a guess. It's just a guess because you're asking me the question. Is there any chance on earth that it's the Houston Oilers? Oh, that would have been incredible, oh, but no. Okay. All right. I was no, hoping no. it was a team that didn't exist anymore. Um, they played the Miami Dolphins. Okay. And I don't know if there's another team that has experienced such a wave of emotion in a two-week postseason run. Dan Marino put it on them boys. <laughs> 31 <laughs> zilch. Oh! So in one week, they were from dominating a divisional opponent. 17 to nothing at home. Feeling good. We about to make a run. And then they saw Dan Marino throw the ball and was like, one, two, Jamaica, here we come. Because, <laughs> oh my God. 31 nothing. Has any team done this in NFL history? Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll do some research. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So, Seth, you and I get to do the rest of the show, I guess, which is pretty cool. Uh, here's my here's my spotlight <laughs> of the day that uh, I, I think you've both seen because I, I tagged you in it. Uh, but I learned last night this entire time that he's been a member of the Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs. The majestic white horse on a sandy beach has also been a majestic white horse on a sandy beach <laughs> without a fully functioning pancreas. Uh, it, it, at Orlando Brown Jr.'s event uh, at Children's Mercy doing some uh, diabetes research fundraising and some screenings and all of that for, for uh, kids especially to get checked, he mentioned his friend Mark Andrews, which obviously I've mentioned this show many times over, uh, number 89 on the field, type 1 in your pancreas. But Noah Gray was diagnosed when he was 19. That was That was before the draft process, obviously. This entire time, and also, just I don't I don't get to go out to the pressers or the locker rooms anymore because of the show and the post game and all of that. So I don't know when it's gonna be, but eventually, I am going to just connect with Noah Gray about really just the power of like baby bell cheeses and um, <laughs> other snacks with, with exactly zero carbs. Yeah, I was shocked to learn that yesterday. He talked about it in a couple of like podcasts here and there and whatnot, but um, I totally missed that. So uh, yet another Times R's endorsement for Noah Gray, which really does make us just a full-fledged super fan show for the entire tight end room, which I am totally comfortable with. Um, I I will happily just be the, uh, really the show for tight ends. I'll say it. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit of more info, Josh. Please, please. Apparently, the San Diego, this is just box score analysis, which Seth hates. But Seth's going to do a film review for uh, the 92 Chargers, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I don't have time to like do the Google rewatch or the Not YouTube rewatch right now. But anyway, so apparently the Chargers were like, no, nah, dog, no, 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 no. Dan Marino threw tw- uh, 29 times. He completed 17 passes. This is so 1990s for 167 yards. Dan Marino was basically Malik Willis and Teal. I had no idea. He was checking it down through two <laughs> defenders all the time for three touchdowns, no picks. Stan Humphreys, and this makes me feel good because I don't wish bad things for Kirk Cousins, but like we all know. Um, Stan Humphreys threw four picks. Oh, no. Four. The Dolphins we know ran, what's happening when Kirk Cousins gets a primetime playoff game. We 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 we, we know. We know. The Dolphins ran the ball um 23 times with Bobby Humphrey. What a time, kids. What a time. Sports different. The sport isn't completely different. different now. It is it is a very different thing. Uh well, so here's here's my segue from the running game into the uh, the Jags game here because yes, uh, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they do and <laughs> they do and you. Uh, I, I can't remember what what the phrase was that made me think about this about ten minutes ago, but it was this idea of like 
the the running game is not going to get any help from it from a running back playing uh, better with the ball in their hands or you know the, from from the the, tit- the Titans game issues. And it made me think of the fact that it might not get better with a new guy, but it might get worse with one less. And by one less, I mean the Chiefs' most effective runner. McCole Hardman has been out these last two days with an abdominal issue. Um, and then Legereus Sneed was added as a limited participant with a knee today. Uh, he was not mentioned by the Chiefs uh, in the uh, in the injury report before practice. Colin Saunders was uh, excused, but then was there at practice, I believe. So, um, yep. Nate, if you've got any scoop on that, whatever, it's, hopefully things are all all good there. But yeah, Hardman, uh, right. Hardman with the with the abdomen is is a big deal. He's a non-participant. I'm a little nervous about Sneed and when that yeah, all yeah. came together, but Let, those are the main two right now. Let's remember the old rule, kids. Gotta practice on Friday if you want to play on Sunday under Andy Reid. Now, there are rare exceptions. Mostly, do you play quarterback? Um, but usually, <laughs> but usually you need to practice in some capacity on Friday if you're going to play on Sunday. So, um, obviously, we'll keep you updated on that. Um, can I tell you a little bit of... Can I tell you a trait that I've seen of Trevor Lawrence that was probably there in college, but the talent gap was so wide, um, he really never had to fix it, and it's probably the biggest problem he has in the NFL? I'd love that. Um, now, it was a little bit different in 1992, right? I have not seen these picks, but I'm imagining that they're atrocious. Uh, in 1992, you could probably get away with being late a couple times a game. In today's NFL, you cannot be late. Unless you have Travis Kelsey leaping in the opposite freaking direction hmm. with the game <laughs> on the line. Now, Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, doesn't have that type of passing option. But the thing that he has done on tape that I wonder if Dave Merritt and Steve Spagnuolo have really harped on is there are times where he sees the, he sees the throw. Maybe he got to two to three a little bit late. And these are split-second decisions. And if he's late, it's led to some poor results for the Jaguars. Um... And so he can't scramble. He can't throw a pretty football, particularly in the intermediate area of the field. But some of his some of his worst moments have been when, hey man, in college, that's a completion. Here, now we're praying that the defensive back doesn't catch the ball because it looks like it's being thrown right to him because you're late. Um, so. I think Doug Peterson has schemed some nice things for Trevor Lawrence over the course of the year. It's unfortunate that they don't have a winning record, even though they should probably be more competitive in the AFC South. But I do think his biggest issue was dudes were running so wide open at Clemson. And now they're running open a lot better than they did last year because, you know, better coaching staff. And, hey, Christian Kirk, he is a legit NFL receiver who cashed in at the absolute right time. No mm-hmm. state income tax, baby. Um, <laughs> no state income tax, baby. But you got to you gotta combine that with the quarterback reading and seeing and processing and just 
make make the throw when the throw's there. And if it ain't there, get off and do something else. Um, so that's something to look for in Sunday's game. Will will Trevor Lawrence either be hesitant or will he be late, which might give the Chiefs a chance to get an interception? Well, so tell me what you've seen from the uh, the defense so far on that front then, Seth, because we talked uh, a lot about the offensive side of things and we could do that forevermore. But this this defensive unit from from what we talked about against the Titans is is interesting. And I just think that Spags is going to have a fascinating challenge and, and probably a fascinating angle on this game because it's a young quarterback, but not one that I necessarily think you benefit from blitzing at this point. I'd have to look more at the overall numbers, but he's been efficient and and relatively confident, it seems, in the mid-range. One thing that keeps coming to mind for me with uh, Trevor Lawrence is on the uh, immaculate uh, athletic football show. They, uh, a couple of occasions, have said, hey, what if what if Trevor Lawrence is just basically Matt Ryan? Oh. And I keep thinking about that oh. because, because that's the reaction but also, he was an MVP once and has a legit, like, I would say a Hall of Very Good uh, resume. He's top 10 all-time in passing yards now. So I I find that to be an interesting one because of the expectations that, that Lawrence came in with. And we'll see where he actually ends up. It's obviously way too early to, to rule on him one way or the other. But I wanted to share that from uh, just straight stealing it from uh, Robert and Nate. I think the two of them who have mentioned it the most. The athletic football show. Still a great use of your time, everybody. But what what do you think? What do you think, Seth? How uh how do you take what Nate just laid out and, and how do you expect Spags to uh to try to to try to bend Trevor Lawrence a little bit? Um I think just kind of a side note, because it's two different kinds of weather. I I, I watched a little bit of Trevor Lawrence in the monsoon weather. That wasn't really oh, even good a monsoon. point. And look. Clemson, South Carolina isn't like, you know, it's not South Florida. It's not Miami. Right. But it doesn't get that cold there. Yeah. And now to me, Sunday's game, I mean, golf weather. Like my my family and I are going to be there. Some of my kiddos and me and we're going to be on the sun side. I'm not even sure if I'm, I mean, I'll probably bring a coat because, you know, but we're on the sun side. It'll be all good. Bring some sleeves. I mean, don't you have to? Yeah, no, I'll wear long sleeves, sleeves, but I don't have a Chief in the North shirt that's long sleeves. Then you put it over that. Then you put it over that shirt. (laughs) Here's the thing, Seth. This is kid. The kids. This is this is the kids bringing this back. Just get a big hoodie and put your shirt, your T-shirt, over the hoodie, and you'll have some twelve-year-old come over and say, "Damn, your fit is bussin'." And then after you uh, grow a bunch of gray hair uh, immediately in that moment, like the Santa Claus, then uh, you'll feel good about yourself. Also, I will say, indeed, it is bussin', young man. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, oh, no, uh, excuse me, child. Actually, we drove our car here from Minnesota, but I respect it nonetheless. You have a jolly good day. You know what, kiddo? Here's a shiny nickel for you. Go buy some candy. Buy a couple pieces with it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, 40 degrees, you know, a high of 42, supposedly. And it seems like that's what the weather's starting to settle in on, right? Like, it's going to be sunny Friday and Saturday, but it's going to be, I mean, I... You know, chilly, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think we're hitting. Weather. I don't think we're hitting fifty again in twenty twenty two, based off my uh, my scrolling down the weather app. Yeah, sweater weather. Well, and that's you know that just that's that's November weather. It's just how it is. Um, but I mean, forty two degrees and that that's just not something that Trevor Lawrence has played a lot of football in. Just pointing that are you, out. Are you giving this Derek Carr vibes? I just, I'm just curious. After watching what he did in the rain, 
I'm just curious. Now, again, Trevor Lawrence is interesting because he looks better on film than his production has been. And so he and he's in a good system now. He, he's got a good coach. I, I'm just curious. I think Spags is going to Spags on this one. Mm-hmm. And I think generally speaking, whenever you have a situation with kind of a little more of an unknown, Spags is going to Spags until it's proven to be a mistake. Mm-hmm. And even, let me, it, let it, me it, give you some stats, bud. Oh, boy. And I would love to hear stats because it's still a young quarterback and that Spags has never faced before. And for all the jokes we make, he really is very good at designing and disguising blitzes. It's one of his strengths. Yep. Um, he's at his absolute best when he's got a good front four because he's really good with designing games. I mean, that's he, he does a lot of things well. He's a good defensive coordinator overall. And can you can you say that one more time, Seth? Because I feel like Chiefs fans don't don't acknowledge this enough. Oh yeah, Steve Spagnuolo is a good defensive coordinator who has taken mostly average talent on defense and produced an average defense that occasionally is a little better, occasionally a little worse. Um, but but the, the issue on defense has been a little more talent. You you give him the same talent that Bob Sutton had on some of those defenses, and they, they'd probably be a top five group. I love this take. I co-sign <sighs> it wholeheartedly. And, yes. but, and yes. one thing he does is he loves to go after young quarterbacks, and I would love to hear some stats. Okay. Now we have nine games. So this is some again a sample size that is truly representative of the player you are about to face. In 86 dropbacks where Trevor Lawrence has been blitzed. This is uh via True Media and Pro Football Focus. Four touchdowns, three interceptions. Anybody want to guess what the EPA per attempt is? Hmm. On three touchdowns, four picks. And 86 dropbacks. With the blitz, or against the blitz, I should say. And it's not very good. Zero, Is it gonna start with a negative? Zero point zero five. Pretty close to a negative. Holy yep. leap! So if I know that, yeah, my priors are wrong. I feel I feel like uh, Trevor Lawrence gives off poise while apparently not being good against the blitz. Good to know. And if they know that, and <laughs> we have nine games to look at their protection calls, well, here we come. I am 100% here for that. I, I, I felt pretty good about Spags having something that at least Trevor Lawrence hasn't seen very much before, but now I wonder if it's even going to have to be that exotic or if it's just going to be... All right, fellas, limber up, everybody. Hey, Nick Bolton, you're going to get a lot of tweets about you today because we're just, we are sending you constantly. Or Legereus Sneed, uh, yeah. assuming he plays. Uh, right. Legereus Sneed, get, get that get that burst going because you're going you're gonna to pad these stat sheets. You're going to look at your box score and confuse you with the defensive end. That was my Spags impression. No. <laughs> No, nah, it was good. It was I was good. I was done. Um, I was done though. No. To the point to the point that I wondered if my uh, if my internet had uh, crapped out because suddenly <laughs> because suddenly neither of two of the five most talkative people I know had anything to say. Oh, no, wow. Well, see, you know what? Hurt people hurt Nate people. Was, I'm Nate sorry was looking at stats for the show. I really, and I really was, was looking at stats, no, and that's fine because Seth was looking at Twitter. Oh, well, I'm trying to figure out here why everyone's acting like the apocalypse is happening tomorrow. Like, is my computer going to explode? No, just Twitter. 
<laughs> you know, I'm actually about to fire off a tweet that a lot of yeah, people, go ahead. A lot of people, dictate it. A lot of people are going to feel silly if something catastrophic doesn't happen on here in the very near future. Because everyone just, I mean, Kmart existed for like 20 years after it went bankrupt. <laughs> We're going to get Kmart version of Twitter. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds pretty close to an apocalypse. Now, I just want to remind people, in 1992, most of the country was rooting for the Miami Dolphins in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> because they were playing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a team who we had seen in two straight Super Bowls. You know. Uh, ask yourself, Chiefs fans. Does the country want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? But they probably do because, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Because if you anyway, watch any other quarterbacks. <laughs> anyway, you know, everybody's rooting for the Dolphins. It's right there. Don Shula, Hall of Fame coach. Hey, Dan Marino, Hall of Fame QB. They just stomped the San Diego Chargers. Um, They went from a 31-0 win to a 29-10 loss at home. Kind of sounds like an AFC Championship game from a year ago. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Nate, you need to <laughs> just find... We need to get a platform for you where you just go through pro football reference and say things that interest you. I would, yeah, I would subscribe to this podcast as well. I would be fine letting this be the place where that happens. And uh, Seth and I just like, I'll, I'll, uh, Seth, you don't have to be here for it. I'm just going to roll in and be like, oh, welcome to Nate Taylor's stat corner. And then <laughs> Nate just scrolls through pro football reference. I guess you and I could just have a chat about just like veggie tales or whatever. And Nate can just butt in with like the 1992 San Diego Chargers. With I, Stan I think Humphrey at quarterback. The names really make it. Oh. That, that, that's the flavor text in this one. We we need the names for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway. Thurman so Thomas, we all kids. like the Chiefs in this one? Nine and a half? Feel like a good line? Just look over it, my recording it, and we're it, uh, we're about we're about there. Yeah, if it, it feels it feels appropriate. Um Gimme give, give me one big question and a uh, and a prediction. Um I, I'll give you the first one if you guys need time to stall. I just sprung this on you. One big Patrick. question and a prediction. Yeah, a, a question, a question about the Chiefs or Jags, something in but this yeah, game I, where you're saying, "Hey, um, the I'll, lack I'll of ask, trust I'll, there hurts." I'll ask I, this. I was just trying to be descriptive, man. I'll ask this because it involves another stat. Um, Patrick Mahomes can join Matt. Excuse me, he can join Ryan Fitzpatrick and Dak Prescott as the only players in NFL history with at least 400 passing yards. I don't think you want him throwing for 400 passing yards on Sunday. So my question is, will he throw for 400 passing yards? Should you want him to throw for 400 passing yards? The answer, kids, is no. I mean, I do, but I'd like him to do it on, like, 15 passes. <laughs> a lot of broken tackles is what we're asking <laughs> for. Yes. I, I, want, I want the, uh, I don't know, the Jags coverage. punter off the top of my head, but I want him to have a great day, pin the Chiefs back, and Patrick Mahomes just throws, like, five passes for 90-yard touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that works. Uh, go ahead, Go ahead, Seth. <laughs> Um, my question is, what does the run game look like and what does Trey Smith look like? Because those two things are intimately connected. Those two things know one another. You know what? Nope. Not gonna In the down. biblical sense. Oh, that's what no, you were going to say. No, 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 no. That's what you were going to say. Oh, that's what you were going to say. I was just like, gosh, no. darn it. Why can't we just not be doing this not you know, live. If you, wanna, you, if you, you want to describe Trey Smith as Abraham, go ahead. <laughs> no one's stopping you. Yeah. I know. 
my better judgment is. Um, but it, only it's not because I get so far down the runway. It's like I, I try to like quit skydiving midway through. Like, <laughs> right, this is, I got time to not tell me, this right? joke. While I'm falling, please go, please go come back yeah. around, right? I, I could just hear my wife's voice saying, you know, saying the joke you wanted to say is still saying the joke. And I mean, it is. It is because it is because it, it, you got to know your teammates on this one. If we can finish your sentence <laughs> for you, you've said the joke. Yeah, like, it's over. The joke is there. So anyway, Trey Smith, the run game. I'm very interested in that. I'm really interested in Tony. I'm asking too many questions. A you can't take both of mine. You 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 bleep hole. All I care about is the run <laughs> game. Make a joke and the same. full way and pick one question. I have a question about the run game and allusions to inappropriate amounts of intimacy. And Ooh. I my prediction is I think the Chiefs I think the Chiefs win this one by a touchdown. The Jags are a good team. Nate? I'm not taking them for granted. Nate, did you have a prediction around that line? I you know I haven't given a, a prediction on the record uh, yet for this game. Uh, it's like a vibe check, honestly. That's close enough. Yeah, I think like you know, if Trevor Lawrence makes a mistake, two a two a two score game does actually make sense. And again, I've given you guys reasons as to why that may happen. A blitz, B he might be late on it. Um, so yeah, I want to say like twenty seven seventeen seems seems okay, but that, that is, is that that seems that's pretty dependent on on you know. Going from one AFC South team that refuses to make any mistakes to one that's learning how to win games. And sometimes in order to learn, you have to learn through the mistakes you make. I literally said that my uh, 2717 is my my only on the record prediction so far. So the the annoying thing there is that the line is nine and a half. And so I'm just yeah. telling you, I'm not I'm not interested in that at all because uh, a 10-point win is very different than just a win. I, I think everything you guys both just said, prediction-wise, I am absolutely riding with. Um, and I feel feel good about this game on the Chiefs' behalf, but uh, I've watched a couple AFC South games so far, so I've recognized that. And you guys aren't going to believe it, but the one other thing that I was going to ask is how much is Kadarius Tony going to get involved? Uh, thank you, Seth, for the free <laughs> teaser on that one. It's like having the opening band come out and play a cover of your own song. Like, awesome, cool, very neat. Crowd love that, I bet. There goes uh, my hero. <laughs> I wasn't going to sing it, but. I wish you would have. I mean, uh, but, God, it's such a good song, too. Like, if you just hear the chord progressions, you're like, damn it, they got me again. It, it gets you every time. It's never going to not time. get you. Uh, but especially if Hardman can't go, I wonder. I I, I still think that mm-hmm. the the ramp up has to has to happen. I don't think that was an artificial thing that the Chiefs decided. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of info for Tony to figure out. Uh, but especially if Hardman can't go, he's the guy on the depth chart that could do some of those some of those jet sweeps and even just run some of the motion and make defenses respect it. Um, I think McKinnon's done a tiny bit of that at times. We already talked about how the Chiefs use him. So uh, I, I would like to see Tony get a little more involved, and, and he might have to if, if Hardman can't go. So I'm interested to check that out as well. You should be interested in checking out theathletic.com. Uh, where uh, Nate Taylor's work is always published. You go to theathletic.com slash timesars if you want to get your subscription rolling there, if you're not already subscribed, which you should be. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just uh, tell a friend this week, you know? Maybe, was this a good episode? I don't know. Either start them on the VeggieTales episode or the Jags episode. That's that's your call. Uh, but uh, tell somebody, please. And then have them tell three friends and then tell them to tell three friends. And then eventually, we're the world's biggest podcast. <laughs> 
Uh, and uh, you can follow, uh, and also you can read Seth at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. That's the Chief in the North newsletter. We're all on Twitter for now because Twitter's still here as we uh, as we do the show. So at Ugh. by Nate Taylor, at Real MN Chiefs Fan, at JB Briscoe. If this is the Titanic, I think we're going to be the band on it at it's the end. It's Y2K. So. It's all going to shut off at midnight, guys. Well, look, I don't think Y2K costs anybody $44 billion. So How many bank uh, deposits can I make in a single day, sir? <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact and, that and the we did mention how, how the fact that you did mention crypto collapsing, it feels like that was an easy miss there. Um, it's just not a joking matter personally. So I. Uh, oh no! Oh no, so, Josh! Oh, so actually, no, so actually, I'm gonna do this podcast again immediately afterwards. I'm just gonna kind of try to keep this thing going, and uh, I just don't know. That's a real, a real surprise. Maybe my GameStop stock will bounce back, and everything will be okay. <laughs> Um, let's, let's, let's crypto, end it. the AFC South of this, of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If any of my, hold on, sorry, Nate, I want you okay. to end it, but I just would like sure. to say real quick that if any of my friends or family are listening, I am not financially insolvent. I'm fine. It was mostly a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Hey, Josh's friend and family that made it this far. I know. I, I know Josh's mom. I know you do because he always says bye, mom, at the end of shows, even though he never does here. I'll, I'll, I'll take a look. I'll make sure he's OK. I mean, I'm not going to like give you my bank account information or anything like that. But I mean, yeah, it's, you know. Oh, well, now I can't help you then. I, I'm selling. Uh, if you if you follow me on Twitter shortly, I might be selling feet pics. OK, Nate, go ahead. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. I'm Brisco. telling you, man. Wow. Wow. That's for um, times. Okay, let's let's make somebody's day uh, because I think they, I already did, but go ahead. Because they made mine earlier this week. So uh, my wife, Holly, uh, is in Lincoln, Nebraska for a little work conference. And uh, she met Derek Schott, who I believe is from Omaha. And yes, he listens to Times Ours. And I just want to say thank you. So, um, what this show has become is our wives leaving us. Yes. And then other people oh. informing them. Yeah. I thought, sorry, I thought that that sentence was done after the first statement. No, it's totally fine. What this show is about is our wives leaving us. And, <laughs> and, them, and them being reminded uh, <laughs> that we're late to things because we, we, we do this for y'all. So... Thank you, Derek. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, I appreciate the kind words that Holly relayed back to me. And yes, if you've made it this far, I would just like to let you know that honestly, the Buffalo Bills weren't supposed to make the 1992 uh, AOC championship <laughs> game because you see what happened was, and this is to Josh's question, they played the Houston Oilers and Frank Wright no God, way! God, God rest his football soul. <laughs> Rose from the ashes in a 31-3 deficit and led the Buffalo Bills to me personally, in my own personal record book, the greatest NFL comeback of all time because it was done in the freaking cold of Buffalo. And then they beat the Steelers, who had no offense whatsoever, and I'm questioning how in the world they got to 11 wins that season. And then they played the, the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, if it wasn't for Frank Wright, Josh, I would have talked to you about a 1992 playoff game 
involving the San Diego Chargers and perhaps the Houston Oilers.